find in the book of 1 John chapter 5. We'll begin to read in verse number 1. And this morning, I want to speak to you on this subject, the bug or the windshield. The bug or the windshield. 1 John chapter 5, we'll begin to read in verse number 1. Won't you stand with me, all those that can and are able in honor and reverence for the reading of God's word. We're in 1 John chapter 5. Begin to read in verse number 1, the Bible says these words, Whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and everyone who loves him, who begot, also loves him who is begotten of him. By this we know that we love the children of God, when we love God and keep his commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments. And his commandments are not burdensome. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is he who overcomes the world but he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? This is he who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ, not only by water, but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit who bears witness because the Spirit is truth. Let's pray together. Father, we ask your spirit would speak to us today. God, I pray and challenge us where we stand before you spiritually. We pray for someone here today, Lord, who's never turned and trusted you to be Lord of their life. We pray that they'll do that today, God, as you convict them and you draw them. And we pray they'll choose to trust Christ today. Father, I pray that you will challenge someone who has been saved but has allowed themselves to be overcome by sin, to be overcome by the world, and to be overcome uh, by the devil. And we pray today, God, that they'll be renewed and restored, and they'll experience victory that can only be found uh, through a fresh reconsecration, repentance of sin, and a renewal of submission to the Lordship of Christ. I pray you'll help each of us today, Lord, to hide these truths in our heart, that as we live through it, it is a very challenging, difficult day that, God, we will be victors and not victims. It's in Christ's name we pray and ask these things. Amen. I'm about you to be seated. I want to ask you a question as we begin our service this morning. It's simply this, you know, have you been born again spiritually? Uh, each of us have experienced a physical birth or you wouldn't be here today. But if you had a spiritual birth, uh, has there ever been a moment in your life where you chose to repent of sin You've trusted Christ to be Lord of your life. Um, that's what John begins chapter 5 with. Whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. Now you have to remember Scripture interprets Scripture. And so that singular verse alone sadly has been taken out of context at times. But I'll remind you that Matthew chapter 8 verse number 29, Luke chapter 4 and verse, uh, verse 41 uh, both affirm that every demon in hell believes that Jesus is the Christ, and every demon in hell believes that Jesus is the Son of God. And so what the Bible is speaking of here in verse number 1 of chapter 5, look at your Bible, whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. That is what John 3 bears out. That is to trust Christ as Lord. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. Whoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Really, it's the difference that most people in the South are from salvation, the distance, really. It's about 18 inches. We shared this with you last week. You'll, you'll dare find anybody in the South who was born in 
reared here in the South that doesn't believe that Jesus is the Christ and Jesus is God's Son. They have that belief right here. The question is, is have they ever repented and really trusted Christ and believed it right here with their heart? Romans 10, 9 and 10. With the heart, one believes unto righteousness. So does that describe you? Have you ever really been born again? Verse 1, whoever believes that Jesus Christ is born of God and everyone who loves him, who begot also loves him who's begotten of him. And so if you never trusted Christ, you're not going to really be able to be an overcomer uh, of in spiritual natures because spiritually you're dead. So you need to establish that first off. You're going to be the bug. I started to name our message this morning, you know, the possum or the tire, um, but I was afraid that would offend some of our animal lovers, and so there's probably less bug lovers. But you're going to be on the negative receiving end, spiritually, friend, unless you have spiritual life. But the Christian life is a series of challenges and hardships. Some people don't like that truth. I knew a man in another church I pastored. He would, he would bury his head and rub his face every time I said that. And there's a reason why for that. Because he didn't have any spiritual life in order to have any hardship from the devil. And so he didn't like, you know, he thought that was a negative message. Well, friend, it might be negative, but it's truth. As a Christian, you're going to face hardship and you're going to face difficulties. The greatest Christian who ever lived, Acts chapter 14, verse 22, he went about and others who were living on mission too. It was one of the messages of the early church and discipleship that through much tribulation, we're going to enter the kingdom of God. Some of it is just because sin's in the world. Uh, the reason there's sickness in the world is because of sin. Uh, Romans 5, by one man sin entered the world and death through sin. And then there are spiritual hardships. But no, there's going to be tribulation. And you're either going to be overcome or you're going to be overcoming. You're going to be one or the two. Uh, and, you know, it's Veterans Day weekend. Every veteran knows this, friend. You're going to take a beating and you're going to give a beating. It's, it's, it's the choice that everyone has in a fight. One of the two. And sometimes you can't help that mate, you're just going to take a beating. But friend, I'm telling you, in Jesus Christ, you don't have to be the victim. You can be the victor. You don't have to be overcome, but you can be the overcomer. You don't have to be the bug, friend. You can be the windshield spiritually in all things and be an overcomer in Jesus Christ. And it really just comes down to the choice that you want to make in that. If you would be an overcomer, you need to be mindful of these three things. First off, you need to be mindful of a sure promise. Look at verse number four. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. It says overcomes the world. Now, again, you must be born of God. You must have spiritual life. You must have turned from sin and trusted Christ in order to have opportunity and availability to, to have at your disposal the strengths and the armament that we have spiritually in Christ. But you need to understand that the world is your opposition. And we're not talking about the earth itself. Your enemy is, is not the, the planet earth, but it's the world system of belief. Turn over uh, and just look at verse number 19 of 1 John chapter 5. It says, we know that we are of God and the whole world lies under the sway of of the wicked one. Look back at 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 through 17. Do not love the world or the things in the world. It's not talking about the cosmos. 
um, north to south uh, pole, the, the earth itself. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, is not of the Father, but it's of the world. And the world is passing away in the lust of it. But who, he who does the will of God abides forever. And so what John's talking about here when he's speaking about the world is a system of thought and action that's led by Satan. He's the father of it. And there's three fronts um, that Satan is going to seek to sway you and see you as a believer overcome spiritually. The first off he bears out in 1 John chapter 2, verse 16, as we preached through that a few weeks ago, but we'll just in way of review, it's the lust of the flesh. Um, that is anything that sinfully stimulates the flesh. That's the, the lust of the flesh. Secondly, there's the lust of the eyes. Um, those are possessions. You Things of the world that you want, you put above God, and you want to have those, and you seek to, to get those things in a way that's contrary to the Word of God. And then third, there's the pride of life. Uh, it's to be something or someone. Uh, to, to seek to have a claim. And I, I know I've shared for seven years this, but that's one of the perils of social media. Um, everyone is just, you know, dying to be liked. Dying to, you know, to, to, to get a thumbs up from, from somebody. Uh, to, to, be, to be recognized, to be a hero in, in, in some way. And so the devil will seek to take good things and turn them into bad things. And so he does that through passions, possessions, and pride, un unholy ambitions. And so the only dealings, friend, you need to be reminded of that we have with the world is what we share with the world. And that's the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's the only thing that we are to share with the world. And so it's through the world, lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life, that Satan seeks to overcome us and cause us to lose spiritually. Now, you can't lose your salvation, but you can lose your testimony. You can lose your spiritual influence. You can lose your joy, and you can lose the victory every day of living in the will of God. So you have to know, you have to be mindful that there's going to be opposition. And that may not be a positive thought, but friend, it's a truth. And I've known people say, well, there was a, after Melissa gave birth to, uh, Emma, she had a friend that uh, she was friends with in college, and she, she, she became pregnant. She and her husband were expecting a child. And so Melissa was just trying to share with her, you know, some of the lessons that she had learned the hard way that, you know, her doctor had, you know, not by choice, but just, you know, ladies, lessons you learn the hard way, right? Things you wish you knew, you know for the second one that you didn't know for the first. Well, anyway, this woman, she's like, well, I don't like to think about negative things. She said, I just like to think about positive things there's a lot of pentecostals that are they're that way you know they just want to be so focused on the positive that they don't think about the negative well you know it may be a negative message that the bridge is out um but you know you're not going to have much of a positive conversation about how the great the view is you know but only for a few seconds before you make impact so i'd sure like to know if something's negative that can impact my life negative even if it may not bring joy to my life at the thought of it. And so John reminds us as believers, there will be opposition. And if I feel no opposition, 
You know, it's probably because you're going in the same direction as the one that opposes you. You know, I grew up trout fishing in western North Carolina before we ever had a boat. And everybody knows that wades, you feel water against your legs all day long. And now when you're a little fella and it's up around your waist, it'll really wear you out. And nobody has to tell you what direction you're going in the stream, friend, because you're either wading into the opposition or you're going with the opposition. Friend, you hear me this morning. If you're sitting here today, one of two things is true. If you don't find any spiritual opposition from the enemy, one is because you're dead. Maybe because you've never been born again. The dead man can't feel anything. But if you have been saved and you say, well, I'm really, I just don't feel any spiritual opposition. Friend, it's because you're going in the same direction of the one who opposes you. But when you begin to walk with God against the flow of the world system, you will have opposition. And so that's a sure promise from God. That's a sure promise. Number two, you need to be mindful not only of a sure promise, but of a single prerequisite. A single prerequisite. Uh, the pathway to overcoming opposition is pretty simple. You know what it is? It's obedience to the Word of God. It's just that simple. It is obedience to the Word of God. How does a person keep from dying and going to hell? Obey the gospel. Mark 1.15, repent and trust Christ to be Lord of your life. It's that simple. So I, 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 don't, I don't want to die and go to hell. Then turn from sin and trust Christ to be Lord of your life. There's no other way. You must choose to do that. And in order to find victory over every temptation, you must seek to be obedient to the Word of God. Satan wants you to disobey as he attacks you on those three fronts. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life. He takes good things, things that can be good for us, but can be really bad for us. I've shared with you, one of the greatest sins in, in, in the church today in the South is, is not taking care of your body. It is just gluttony. And so Satan can take a good thing. I like to eat. Anybody here, if you're in Baptist church, you like to eat. So Satan can take a good thing. That's food. We have to eat. God made us that way. Our bodies need nourishment. But listen to me, friend, in moderation. And so Satan wants to take something that's good for you that God has provided to sustain us, to give us physical strength so that we can serve the Lord, and he turns that into a bad thing. And we eat more than we're supposed to, and then when that happens, friend, it starts stacking on in different places of our body. It stacks on the outside, but this is one of the greatest challenges. It starts stacking on the inside. Your heart gets full of cholesterol, and you end up having bypasses, and the one body that God gave you to serve the Lord, you don't take care of. You don't take care of. Well, what's the simple way to find victory over that? Don't overeat and exercise. How many people say, well, I just wish. Well, friend, you can wish yourself right into the grave. You can wish yourself right into the grave. Don't overeat and exercise, and I promise you, you'll be healthy. And it comes to that in any spiritual principle. Just obey the Word of God and don't disobey, and you can find victory over those three fronts. But it really comes down, do you want to be an overcomer? Do you want to be the bug or do you want to be the windshield? And I really think sometimes some people, they want to be the bug because it really gives them the opportunity to gripe 
into wine. You ever meet, you ever see somebody and you just know, you never, you stop asking them how they are? Don't look in any direction in the church right now, but you, you just don't ever do it. Because you know, there's never a positive thing that comes out of their mouth. They're like old Eeyore and Winnie the Pooh. It's always negative. Everything's bad. And I, you wonder if they really like it that way. Friend, listen. God doesn't want you to wallow in defeat. He wants you to walk in victory. He wants you to be a victor. He doesn't want you to be the bug. He wants you to be the windshield as he secures victory through you. And the way you do that is to be a doer of the word of God. James chapter 1, verse number 22 says, But be doers of the word and not hearers only. I thank the Lord that you're here today and you're hearing the word. If you've never been saved, man, I'm glad you're here and you're able to hear the gospel and you're going to hear an invitation that we're going to give at the end. But you hear me today. You'll leave this place just as lost as you came if you're not a doer of the gospel today. You're not saved by works. You respond by faith. And it's that way with any other spiritual challenge. It's not enough just to know what you should do. Go back to being healthy. Many people say, well, I know I don't need to eat so much. I know I need to be exercising. Again, friend, you'll know yourself into an early grave. Do something about it. Do something. And it's the same with any spiritual challenge. Knowing's not enough. And James says that's one of the great deceptions of Satan. You deceive yourselves. Thinking that knowing's enough, it's not. You have to be a doer of the word. You must be a doer. Look at verse number 2 of our text in 1 John 5. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and we... What's the verb right there? Keep. His commandments. That means we do it. You obey the word of God. You're a doer. Well, there's some reasons why you ought to obey the word of God. First off, it's, it's love for God. Look at verse number two. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God. Jesus plainly and explicitly said in John chapter 14 and in verse number 15, he says, if you love me, keep my commandments. And then verse number 23 and 24 of that same chapter, he said, if anyone loves me, he'll keep my word. And my Father will love him. We will come to him and make our home with him. And then I, I'm just so ever astonished at, at, at the brilliance of God and that he, he, he gives the, the negative refusal of the first verse. He says, he, he who does not love me does not keep my words. Just in case anyone says, well, I do love God, but I just... Jesus says, if you don't obey the word of God, he says, you don't love him. He says, you don't love him. Now, friend, I didn't say that. That's as red as red can be in my Bible. And so I didn't say that. You didn't say that. Greenwood didn't say that. The deacons didn't say that. Who said that? Jesus said that. He said, if you don't obey my commandments, you don't love me. And so one of the motivations for being a doer and obeying the word of God is love for God, but also love for others. Look at verse number two again of our text in 1 John 5. By this we know that we love the children of God. When we, when we obey, by this we know that we love the, the children of God when we love God and we keep 
His commandments. You see, when we disobey God, it has the potential to hurt someone else. Now again, Veterans Day weekend. I've got free reign to make soldier illustrations this weekend. How sorrowful and how negative the outcome it will be when senior soldiers don't live out before young soldiers training in the proper way to do something, proper way to handle things, proper way to execute a drill. Because, see, friend, it's not just what you say, it's what you do. When you begin to live out truths, when you begin to live out doctrines, it's not just what you're telling people to do. They're watching what you do, and that becomes doctrine in shoe leather. Parents say, well, you know, do as I say, not as I do. Friend, I promise you, they're always going to do what you do. Then they'll listen to what you say. Then they'll listen to what you say. And so when we disobey God, it has the potential to hurt someone, not only an example, but also an impact. You think about this. Anytime anything negative happens to you through someone else, it's because that person has disobeyed God in some way. They've broken a law or they've broken a commandment. Anytime you're blessed by someone, it's because they've obeyed God, either the word of God or what God's laid on their heart to do. I was blessed that someone shared the gospel with me. You know the reason they shared the gospel? is because the Bible commanded them to do it. And then God laid it on their heart to specifically share with me. And so we obey the word of God because we love God and we love others. But not only that, but because we love the word of God. For this, look at verse number three. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments, they're not burdensome. The Bible says it's, it's not a difficult, it's not a hardship, it's not a challenge for the child of God to obey the word of God. Uh, one of my most favorite Psalms in, in all the Bible is and all that is within it is Psalm 119, which specifically speaks about the Word. Just listen to some of these uh, verses in, in the psalmist's response to God's Word. Verse 97, he says, Oh, how I love your law. It's my meditation all the day. You, through your commandments, make me wiser than my enemies, for they are ever with me. Psalm 105, your Word is a lamp unto my feet. It's a light unto my path. Uh, verse 127 of Psalm 119. Therefore, I love your commandments. More than gold, I love them. Yes, they are fine gold. Psalm 137, uh, Psalm 119, verses 137 through 144. Listen to this. Righteous are you, O Lord, and upright are your judgments. Your testimonies, which you have commanded, are righteous and very faithful. My zeal, it's consumed me because my enemies have forgotten your words. Your word is very pure. Therefore, your servant loves it. I am small and despised, yet I do not forget your precepts. Your righteousness is an everlasting righteousness, and your law is truth. Trouble and anguish have overtaken me, yet your commandments are my delights. The righteousness of your testimonies is everlasting. Give me understanding, and I shall live. Verse 167. My soul keeps your testimonies, and I love them exceedingly. I keep your precepts and your testimonies, for all my ways are before you. And the Bible says in our text, in 1 John 5, 3, friend, that, that that's not burdensome. 
To be a doer of the word is not burdensome for the child of God. Why? Because we love God and we love others. And we love the impact His, his word has on other people, but also upon our life, but also because it's had the, the words from the mouth and the heart of the one whom we love and whom we've given ourselves to. Jason, before Melissa and I got married and we were courting and she lived down in Montgomery, boy, it didn't break. Listen, when I opened the mailbox, and I mean smell started pouring out of the mailbox, just you could smell that perfume coming off that letter. I didn't slam it and say, I don't have time to read that today. But listen, I couldn't get the envelope tore open fast enough. I would read and reread and reread because I wanted to hear from the one that I was in love with. And that was going to end up being my wife. Friend, I want to tell you something far greater than that. What a joy it is to sit down and open a copy of God's Word and hear from the one that bled and died for me. It's not burdensome. It's not burdensome to be a doer of the Word of God when you love the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. A little boy lived by the highway. It's the house, only house his parents could afford. It cost less than other houses in town because it was right beside the four lane. His dad put up a fence around it the best he could, and he told his son, says, listen, you can enjoy life. I know it's loud, but you need to understand, on the other side of that fence, son, it is dangerous. If you get in that road, you're going to get killed. Stay out of the road. But inside the fence, son, there's life and there's safety. Just play. You're going to be fine inside the fence. Just play. And the little boy would go out every day, and he had a whole beautiful yard to play in. And he would think about what his dad told him. Stay inside the fence and everything will be fine. Go on the other side of the fence and everything's going to be dangerous. And he would see kids, some kids walking up inside, uh, outside of the fence, up and down the side of the highway, and they'd be bouncing balls along. And he would sit and wonder to himself, now, now why don't I get to do that? Why can't I do that? And so his dad sat him down one day and he said, son, do you think I'm keeping anything good from you? He said, the reason I tell you not to go on the other side of the fence is because I love you, and I don't want you to get hurt. And the reason I'm telling you to enjoy inside the fence is because, son, you can go outside every day and enjoy being outside and play in a way that's safe and is good for you. You see, friend, there's a lot of people, they don't obey the commandments of God, and we, we wonder why they don't ever get hurt. So to speak, why a car doesn't wander off of life's highway and hit them. And some people may get to the place they want to say, well, that's pretty good. That's a hard commandment. I, God must be keeping something good for me. No, friend, when God says thou shalt not, what he's saying is this, don't hurt yourself. And when God is saying thou shalt, he said, what he's saying is this, help yourself to happiness. What it really comes down to is just how you see the word of God and you realize that there's no commandment in God's word that is burdensome for me. It's not hard and it's not difficult. It's not weighty upon me. Why? Because I trust the heart of the one who's given it to me. And so when God says thou shalt, he's telling me, Chad, you be happy and enjoy all of life that you can in me. And when he says thou shalt not, he's saying I'm trying to keep you from getting hurt. God's word is not burdensome. And so it helps us to be a doer of the word of God. And there's three reasons to obey. It's because our love for God, our love for others, and our love for the Word. 
And my friend, I'm telling you, if you're going to overcome satanic opposition and the daily challenges of life, you got to be a doer of the Word of God. There's no substitute for obedience. You have to know that opposition will come, and you must obey the Word of God in all things. So you've got to be mindful. There's a sure promise, a single prerequisite, but third, you need to be mindful of a strong potential. A strong potential, and that's to overcome. Look at verse 4 of our text. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. And so you can obey, and you can overcome all the obstacles. Listen, you can be the windshield. You don't have to be the bug spiritually. You don't have to. You can be the windshield, and you can be the one that overcomes. But, but it'll be because of uh, a couple of things. Number one, th- there must be, again, a spiritual birth. Look at verse 1 again. Whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And so it's Jesus who does that, but you must have spiritual life. You've got to remember that sin separates people from God, Isaiah 59.2. And spiritually, people are born dead. And that's why they have to be born again. So Christ can't do anything through you until you've been born again because sin separates you from him. It separates you from God. And so there must be spiritual birth, uh, birth, but there also must be settled belief. Look at verse number 4. And whatever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. We're talking about a settled belief. It's, it's a lifestyle of trusting God at His Word and then acting upon what God says is true. You just, you just trust the Word of God and by faith believe that God can give you victory. You act upon the Word of God and you just believe it to be true. And that's our faith. It's, it's our trust in the Word of God. Now listen to me. I'll give you an example. The reason and I hope this doesn't represent any believer here today. I really don't. I really don't. But there may be somebody here still, as a believer, you don't spend time in God's Word every day. You you don't see the necessity of getting up every morning and spending a quality time with God in His Word, studying His Word to know, stow, show, and sow God's Word daily, and in a time in prayer to speak to God, but also just to be quiet and listen. You, you don't do that. And the reason you don't do that is this, friend. You don't have faith that's going to benefit you. You don't have faith. If you really had faith, you would do it. See, I just don't have faith that it will benefit me. I've also got faith, friend, that it's going to negatively impact me if I don't. I've got that faith. And so, therefore... I'm not going to start the day without a time in God's Word because I've got faith, friend, that I need it. I believe it, and I'm acting upon it. And the reason many people don't obey is because they really don't believe God. They just just don't believe that it's really going to positively impact their life and that the Word's going to make a difference in them. And so the reason many people walk in defeat and not victory, is they don't have a settled belief in the Word of God. 
They'll read passages of Scripture and God will say, you are to do this. Well, you know, maybe for some people, but that probably just doesn't represent me. And they're going to be the bug. They're not going to be the windshield. Look again at verse number 4. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world. Our faith. It's your exercised lifestyle. Your obedience lived out. Your lived out faith to the word of God. And so failure to obey. You don't believe you need that verse. You really don't need that commandment. And you're not going to grow from it. See, obedience makes Jesus real to you. Look at verse number 5. He who overcomes the world is he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Now, again, we've already established every demon in hell believes that. What he's talking about here is literally trusts him as Lord and yields himself to Christ as Lord every day. He, he who overcomes, look at verse 5, overcomes the world, but it's he, who is he who overcomes the world? But he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. That, that is, obedience makes Christ real to you. It's not just a verse, but you have a real, lived-out relationship with Jesus Christ. You personally experience Him every day by acting upon your faith. I want to ask you that question. Is Christ real to you? Or is He just, you know, someone we sing about? You know, the Bible school answer. Somebody, a historical figure you believe died on the cross for you, but He's in heaven and you're here. I mean, or is he really real to you? Do, you? do you walk with him each day? Do you talk to him each day? Do you experience him personally each day? You see, when, when you do that, friend, he's, he is real to you. Look, look again at verse number 3. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. This is the love of God. You, you have a love relationship with Jesus Christ. You, 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 don't, you don't love the things of the world. Look back at chapter 2, verse 15 again. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Now I'm going to read that one more time. Look at the verse. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in them. Now, I want to ask you a question. Who is the love of the Father? It's Jesus Christ. And so, let's read that verse again. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, Jesus Christ is not in him. It means Christ isn't real to you. When you willfully choose to disobey the Word of God, what you're saying is this, friend. And by that, you're going to be the bug, not the windshield. You're going to be overcome, not the overcomer. What you're really saying is this. What Satan's trying to offer me through lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life, it's better than Jesus Christ. I really don't need Jesus for this. I need what the devil has to offer. But you see, when Christ is real to you, when you have a real relationship with Him, and daily you wake up and you really believe within your heart, Luke 9, 23, you're forsaking all today, you're taking up your cross, and literally, it's you following Jesus Christ throughout the day. 
He is guiding your steps. He's guiding your speech. He's guiding your thoughts. And he's real to you. Then when Satan tries to tempt you to offer you something, you say, I don't want that. Because it can't compare to what I have in my real relationship with Jesus Christ. Does that reach anybody this morning? When, he, when he's real, friend, then there's, there's, there's nothing to offer. If, if Christ is real to you, you'll be satisfied in him, with him, and through him. I'll give you an illustration. That we'll stay on the food motif, all right? Imagine, now, now listen, I've still got a little bit to go, so stay with me or you'll check out when I start talking about food. But imagine we all sit down to lunch today, okay? And listen, it's bone-in pork chops. Thin ones, the good thin ones. Full of fat on the end, the marrows there. We're not going to overeat because we're going to get up and walk at least 45 minutes tomorrow. Amen? Amen? We're going to burn it off. So we're going to have some good bone-in pork chop fried in a cast iron skillet. Glistens when it gets put on the plate. We've got a good helping and the right portion size of collard greens. We've got mashed potatoes and gravy. We've got some coleslaw there on the plate and a good old pone of cornbread sitting on the table. Glass of iced tea, and we sit down, friend, listen, we enjoy that good country meal. I had you at pork chop, didn't I? We have that good, now listen, we're not done. Then we get a bowl of apple pie that's still hot and a good scoop of ice cream on top of it. We're going to walk an hour and a half tomorrow, not 45 minutes, okay? We're going to burn it off. But listen, imagine we all eat that and we're done. There's nothing left but the bone and some juice on the plate. We've sopped up all we can with the cornbread. And then I come to you and say, well, I've got something else I'd like to give you. You know, have you ever, when you're changing the trash, you know, you pull the bag out, somebody in the house, either willingly, knowingly, or unknowingly, toss something in the trash can that gets left there and gets moldy. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? And you just start blaming the lowest common denominator, right? You're just like, I didn't do this. And so maybe it's like the corner piece of a ham sandwich for last week. And it's just good and moldy. Well, imagine I get that and put it on the plate and I bring it to you after that wonderful meal. And I say, hey, how about a bite of this? Now, who would take that for what we just had in that great country meal? And friend, listen to me. That's spiritually what Satan has to offer you. The moldy corner of a ham sandwich that's been sitting, deteriorating underneath the bag all week in the bottom of the trash can, and you've got Jesus Christ as a child of God. See, when Christ is real to you, when He's real to you, you're not going to give in to that, and you'll never be satisfied with anything but Jesus Christ. And so we have to help us. We have a spiritual birth. We have settled belief in Christ and who He is. It's our faith in Him, a real relationship with Him. But, but then also, there's the Savior's blood. Look at verse 6. Two things quickly I want to pull out of this. This is He who came by water and blood, Christ Jesus, not only by water, but by water and blood. Now, Christ had a natural birth. It's what we celebrate at Christmas. By water, He came. Not only by water, but John also bears out, but by water and blood. He had a sinless body. 
Leviticus 17, 11 says, the life of the flesh is in the blood. It's no blood, no life. But the Bible says, thanks be to God spiritually, Revelation 12, verse 11, that they, the church, overcame him, Satan, by the blood of the Lamb. How do we overcome opposition? It's also it's through, the, it's through the blood. It's through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Remember a couple years ago, terrible time, nobody likes to remember it. People still, I can promise you, every pastor has spiritual PTSD about when the bug was in the community. The bug. And so when somebody got the bug, one of the things they determined was they developed antibodies. And they could take their blood and pull those antibodies out and they could give them to you. You see, they would take somebody who had overcome the bug and then they would take their blood and give it to you and then because of they had overcome, you would be able to overcome. And listen to what the Bible says in Revelation chapter 12, verse 11. They overcame him, Satan, by the blood of the Lamb. 2 Corinthians 5, 21 says, For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. And so Jesus Christ, don't miss this, he took all the sin of the world upon himself. And friend, on the cross, he died. But out of the tomb, he overcame And so his blood flows through the life of the church. You see, when you got saved spiritually, you got a blood transfusion. It's the blood of Jesus Christ spiritually that pulses through his spiritual body, the church. How can we overcome opposition? Through the blood of Jesus Christ. It's what he provides, but not only that, just very quickly, it's not only the Savior's blood, but it's a sanctifying bath. The Bible says it's also uh, through the water. John 19, verse 34 says that when they pierced the side of Christ, the blood and then the water flowed free. That was all that was left in there. Listen, the blood of Jesus Christ not only cleanses us, but the Bible says it keeps on cleansing us. 1 John 1, 9, it is a perpetual cleansing. It's sanctification. It sets us apart for God's exclusive use. Remember in John chapter 13 and in verse number 10, Jesus said, everyone who's been bathed need not bathe again, but only wash what needs to be cleaned. Remember they had bathhouses in those days. And so people would walk down dusty streets. They would take a bath at the bathhouse. They would walk back to the house. So the only thing that was dirty on them was their feet. They didn't need to take a bath again. They just needed to wash what was dirty. And friend, I'm so thankful when I get the filth of this world on me that the blood of Jesus Christ, the water that flowed from his side, there was nothing left in Jesus. Jesus gave it all so that Jesus could pay it all. And his blood sanctifies us, but the water washes us. It continues to set us apart for God's exclusive use. Romans chapter 8, verse number 37 says, Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. I want you to hear me this morning. Everybody look at me. Eternity's before you. It's before you. You can die and go to hell, or you can wake up one day in glory, like Phil saying this morning, saying, Is this not the land of Beulah? You've got a choice. You can die and go to hell, or you can go to heaven. 
And the choice, you've got to make that choice. And it's all what you do with Jesus Christ that determines where you spend eternity. But as a child of God, I'm telling you, friend, you can be the bug or you can be the windshield. It's up to you. And if you just want to bounce through life spiritually, constantly just being splattered on life's windshield, that's exactly what God will let you do. But friend, I'm here to tell you today on the assurance of God's Word. And can I just tell you from my own personal testimony, 20-some years ago, friend, August 13th, 1999, I'm telling you, I got tired of being the bug. I got sick and tired of being sick and tired. And I told God I didn't want that anymore, that I wanted to live a life of victory that can only be found in Him. And I'm telling you, friend, He is faithful. He is faithful. And there's nothing that you're going through or nothing that you're ever going to go through that you can't overcome through Jesus Christ. But it really comes down to this choice. You've got to make a choice. Are you going to be the bug? Are you going to be the windshield? 1 John chapter 4 and verse number 4 says this. You are of God, little children, and have overcome them because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Praise the Lord. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. If you've never turned from sin and trusted Christ, won't you do it today? It's not about joining this church. It's not about being religious, friend. I'm telling you, your choice determines where you will spend eternity when you die one day. Sin separates you from God. And Jesus took all your sin upon him, carried it to a place called Calvary, died in agony and shame so that you won't have to. They took his body off a cross, put it in a tomb. It laid there for three days. And after three days, victoriously, he walked out of that tomb, offering to all who would turn and trust spiritual life that can only be found in him. Romans 6.23 says it's a gift. It's eternal life. If you've never received that, I invite you to do that today. This is how you receive it. Luke 13.3 says, except you repent, you'll all likewise perish. Repentance is simply agreeing with God that you're a sinner and turning from all that sin. And then the Bible says in the book of Romans chapter 10 and verse 13, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Would you not trust Christ to be Lord over every part of your life today? The Bible says in Romans 10, 9 and 10, if you'll tell him that, you will be saved. You can do it silently where you sit in a simple prayer of faith just like this. God, forgive me a sinner. I believe Jesus died for me. I believe he rose again, and I receive from him his forgiveness and eternal life that is offered through his death and through his life. I surrender all my life to Christ. And if you did that this morning, I'm going to invite you in just a moment to make your way into the front when they begin to sing right where I'm standing to say, man, I prayed that prayer, and I want you to do that because I want to tell you what God wants to do next in your life. I want to encourage you. Child of God, have you lost your joy? Have you lost the victory? Is it because you're the bug and not the windshield? Don't leave here that way today. Whatever's brought you to this place, forsake it, confess it, and leave today with a fresh, re-surrendered, re-consecrated life to the Lordship of Christ, one in which Christ is real. And by faith, you're going to obey God's Word daily that you might walk in victory. God, you speak to your church. You know what every need is. Every single person, God, you, you see hearts, God. You know what's needed in this place. And God, I pray your precious Holy Spirit will prescribe and call and draw us 
to the place, Lord, that we might experience the spiritual healing we need today. That's our prayer. Let's reverently stand up.